This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com ear. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Ear Biscuits is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when, when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code EAR. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? 
With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we are talking all about what we call our other best friend. The trio um, that was Rhett and Link and Ben. Ben Greenwood, our childhood friend, who we've talked about on and off from time to time. Yeah, he's, he's come up a lot. But we're gonna devote an entire episode to talking about Ben. Yeah, I. this is an important, Episode for us. I mean, maybe I I, th- I hope it will be for you too, listening because I mean, whether it's a childhood friend or someone that you meet along the way in your life, I think that there are there are people that have an impact on your life, and sometimes it's not until you look back on all those shared experiences can you really piece together how deep that impact goes. So. I'm looking forward to this episode. I, over the, well, I was gonna say years, I guess over the years, there's been times when I've thought, I wanna, I wanna do what we're doing today. I wanna, I wanna talk about our, our friendship with Ben and just pull it all together j- just for the sake of under, t- taking away even more from it and appreciating even more. I I hope that's what happens today. And yeah, because um, we've we've you know we've talked about and we have as we're about to demonstrate incorporated Ben uh, into our work. Uh, we've also talked about you know he just he was such an influence on us and in the way that we lived our lives as kids, which has translated into the way that we live our lives as adults, which I think yeah. is all about mythicality, such a- that. Absolutely, like, uh, yeah, when we wrote our book of mythicality, which if, if you don't know, we, we wrote a book. It's, it's, it's part coffee table, part autobiography, lots of stories, lots of illustrations. Get it, get it for somebody. Get it for yourself. I didn't mean get it for get it for yourself if you don't. Have it. When you say get it for somebody, it makes it sound like only get it as a gift. I assume you are. Because you won't enjoy it. Um. Yeah, when we set out to write this thing and we defined what mythicality meant, um, which you know what, I'm going to read it. The quality or state of being that embodies a synergistic coalescence of curiosity, creativity, and tomfoolery, sometimes referred to as curio tomfoolery. I didn't even say that right. Sometimes referred to as curiotom fulivity. Mm-hmm, fulivity. Ideally experienced in the context of friendship and intended to bring goodwill to the universe. Wow, we worked on that uh, definition for quite some time. <laughs> and we and we, we worked on this book for a long time. That's what we're, we're about, y'all. If you wanna know what Rhett and Link's about, that's it's about it. fulivity. Right. And we dedicated this book in memory of Ben Greenwood. His friendship changed our lives, but ended way too soon. And then there's a picture of the three of us together, right there. So, of course, we we dedicated the book to Ben because of how he embodied mythicality. Uh, and then I think we talked about him a little bit more in in the 
in in the book. But the thing that we really did, the, the way we brought uh, Ben to life in a, in a character is the character of Ben in our novel, The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. This isn't like a Rhett and Link book promo time. This is about Ben, but we have to do this to establish the context. But yes, we wrote a novel last year, Lost Causes of Bleak Creek, and our favorite character, besides, of course, Rex and Leaf. <laughs> no, actually, our actual favorite character in the book is Ben, who is based on Ben Greenwood. Yeah, read the um, the acknowledgement in the back there. Um, this is an alarm. Well, because this this novel was dedicated to our our, our kids, right? Dedicated to our kids, but, but there's a long list of people that we acknowledged and thanked in the end. Uh, our childhood friend Ben Greenwood for leading us into constant adventure and fearlessly embodying mythicality in all that life held for you. You gave us the tree, the rocks, and the river. And if you've read the book or heard us tell lots of stories about these things, you know what the tree, the rocks, and the river are. I One of the first stories that I, I think about is damming the creek. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm interested in if you remember the first time you met Ben, but I'd love to I'd love to talk about this story first because I think in a lot of ways it's it kind of we have a lot of memories and we'll go through a lot of them, but that one in, it just it really encapsulates well, who I, he was I, as a person. Yeah, I, think. I don't have I think I can talk about meeting Ben for the not the I don't have a story about meeting Ben, but I can just tell you quickly. Because he was in he was in my class in third grade, and you because you were in a different class in third grade that year. Miss Hood's class, right? I think it might have been fourth grade then. We were in Miss Hood's class together. Oh, Everhart was the year that we weren't in the same class. Fourth fourth grade. Um, but I don't know. Is if that it, when Ben moved to town? First year was third grade. Miss Hood's class. Okay, okay, yeah, we were in that class together then. Um, yeah. but because um, he lived pretty close to me. But yeah, he lived inside of Keith Hills. I live right outside of Keith Hills. Uh, so I think I ended up kind of playing with him first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just remember my impression of this guy. First of all, you I've talked about this before, but unlike you at that age, I was very much like, I meet you and then that night I ask if I can spend the night at your house. Like right. I invited myself over to so and I'm not and I'm more introverted now and would never do that, but as a kid, I got to know people and immediately invited myself. I was like, so can I spend the night at your house? It was pretty <laughs> in, indiscriminatory. Just, yeah, uh, and uh, and so that was what I did with Ben and I think as a as a new kid in town, he was like, yeah, I got, oh, I got a friend. And I just found this guy and his family to be so interesting. You know, they were they were from Oklahoma. They had moved from Oklahoma and the way Ben talked about Oklahoma made me think that Oklahoma was a magical Land of milk and place. honey. He talked about giant catfish that could eat children. And then he would talk, <laughs> he talked about uh, his grandfather. And he was, this is something that now I've kind of seen multiple kids do in different movies and stuff, but the way he talked about his grandfather was as if his grandfather was the biggest, baddest, badass in town who could beat up anybody, including his own dad, 
and just he was like he would just talk about his grandfather like his grandfather was this larger than life guy who knew everything and was incredibly strong like the strength of Ben's grandfather was something that was legendary. And I was like, and you know, this is before the age of information. Like the internet was just kind of get. You couldn't kinda, Google his grandfather to validate these claims. You couldn't Google Oklahoma and be like, oh, Oklahoma is just a state above Texas that's shaped like a pot. Right. You know, nothing against Oklahoma, but it's just another state. It's it's as magical as any other state, but. It's pretty flat. <laughs> he but, had a way of making yes, his imagination was everything incredible. magical, and um, so yeah, I, I was immediately captivated, and I was like, I want to be around this kid. His dad, his family was interesting because his dad was a professor at Campbell, just like your dad, right? He was a biology professor. Am I right? I think he was in the he was in the pharmacy school, maybe or maybe biology. I think they all had the same building. He was in the, sci- the scientific discipline of some sort. Yes. Okay. But the but the behind his house was a, was a whole stretch of woods, and Ben would always go out into the woods. And I remember when the three of us started hanging out. About every I don't know. I got the impression that about every three to five times that you guys would hang out, I would also be there because I had farther to come, and you know. Right, um, and you were you were you were a little scared of things at that time. Just at that time, and <laughs> you you've always been a little bit scared of things. Ben it's, was not scared of anything. He wasn't scared of anything. I mean, he was always gallivanting through the woods, and there was a if you go deep enough into the woods, there was a creek that ran. And actually, we didn't. It was Bowie's Creek. It was Bowie's Creek. Yeah, um, that ran back there, and just like. All the other times, there was something crazy that we embarked upon. It was most likely Ben's idea at this point to build a dam, to dam the creek in order to what? Make a little pond that then. Put fish in it. Put fish, stock it with fish. To stock a pond and also to build a raft, to raft throughout our pond. So So we did all three of these things. It, it, it not in different places all at the different same times. time. But so we went back there and we dedicated an entire day. Like beavers, man. Just taking rocks, taking logs, taking everything we could scrounge up in. Well, the, we found a plot in you know, the woods we, we, to give you to an idea. Throw into the creek, like Bowie's Creek, uh, when it was just typically flowing. This is one of those creeks that's probably like ten feet across. You know, maybe twenty feet in some places, maybe five feet in other places. Uh, but in the middle of the summer, it's not flowing. You, you can basically walk across it. If you find a good spot, you can walk across on some rocks without yeah, getting maybe wet. A, maybe a couple of feet deep at the deepest point. But if you find one of those places that like a log is already kind of across the creek and there's some rocks, you're like, oh, I can add a little bit to this and we could be beavers and build our own dam. It's just, a, you know, my kids don't know what to do today. Yeah. You know, they're not damming it, any this, creeks. This day and age, it's like, well, if they're not on, you know, I don't want to get into that. If That's, kids go out and dam a creek now, it's like, oh, we got they're on the news. Three teens damn creek. We spent like sun up to sun sundown in this endeavor, and we we dammed the creek. Yep. For like a few minutes. Uh no. And, do, okay, in my recollection, we went and caught fish from the <laughs> pond. <laughs> And brought them down. Hey, you might have done that on another day, but because I don't, I do remember that it didn't I, hold. Well, I think that maybe the first time when we did it with you, it was we 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 went we revisited the plan because yeah, eventually it was just like we're not beavers, 
You know what I'm saying? I want as much as I want to be a beaver. Sometimes yeah. I'm not a beaver, and I don't understand the damn math. You know, which is the math of dams and right. the physics of dams, maybe. And the whole thing just collapsed. But there was a time in which we would we dammed it, went down to the creek, caught some like crappy. Remember, we would catch all kinds of crappy. Yeah, down there. He fished a lot. There yeah. were a lot of. I mean, the the creek emptied into uh, a, a series of ponds that. Basically man-made ponds for the golf course. Yeah, for the Keith Hills golf course. And we fish down there all the time. You can catch some bass, some brim, and some crappie. We got some crappie, put them in a bucket, brought them up, put them in there, they swam around for a little bit, and then the dam broke again, because that's what happens to dams. I wasn't much of a fisherman, so I kinda, I think Yeah, a lot of my time spent with Ben was fishing, because, okay. He was an outdoorsman. He was, because we also, we cut, you know, we've talked about this, about how we would just find a tree and cut it down. Um. Sometimes just going and finding a tree, just f- selecting a tree in the woods and spending all day with an ax, trading off, cutting down this giant tree, which yeah, is incredibly dangerous, not to mention not really environmentally responsible because we were just timbering one tree. But he owned for nothing. an ax. Yeah. And he sharpened his ax. And he invited us to trudge into the woods, pick the perfect tree, and it was a big one. Again, this was an all day endeavor taking, trading off, chopping this thing down, it was absolutely exhausting. Right, and, and after then a while there would be hour, hours of not talking, yeah. of just chopping. But we learned, like, we learned like, oh, if you wanna cut down a tree, like, you just don't, you gotta like create, you gotta like come in from the top at an angle, you gotta go in from the bottom at an angle. Like, we kinda learned by just doing how you chop down a tree. I mean, I haven't had to use that skill yet again, but. And you're talking, and we're talking like, seventh grade, maybe sixth grade. Right, but with the raft thing, Ben cut down a tree about that big, a pine tree. Okay. And then he cut it up, and then we took ropes, and we tied it together, and then we tried to float it on the pond. I wasn't there for that. And the whole thing came apart as soon as we tried to float it. Like, when we tried to get on it, it was like, "Eh, this isn't stable enough. I can get it to you. If I was there, it still wouldn't have worked. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But he just, the ideas. He would build a lean-to, right? Well, yeah, so that's that's one of my favorite stories about Ben, is the time that he, there there was an empty lot across, well, basically woods across the street from his house. Now, Mm -hmm. I've gone back, you know, in the past couple years, and now, that whole side of the street in Keith Hills is filled with houses, but for a long time it was just woods. Yeah. And uh, he, he said, I go to his house, he's like, I think we should build an A-frame. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what the hell an A-frame is, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's right, A-frame, let's do it. Okay. And so, uh, again, the thing that was so mysterious about Ben was in a day before the internet, how did people learn things? He just learned things in books. He just, I guess he just went to the library, which nobody, nobody else was doing, Mm-mm. and would just be like, I got this, I know how to build an A-frame. I don't even know what part, I, I, it wasn't until we finished and it was an A-frame by looking at it from the side that I was like, oh, A-frame. The whole time I was like, yeah, A-frame. Then I was like, where's the A? But we spent all day building this thing out of two by fours. And then. Oh, not Latin limbs. Uh, no, we used two by fours as the braces of this thing. Okay. And like nailed them together. But then 
We got sticks, and again, the whole time I'm kind of acting like I know what we're doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm there, I'm helping, but I'm kind of like waiting to see him do something then to know what we're doing. And he probably knew all of this. And then we put sticks, big sticks on it, leaned them up against each other, then smaller sticks, and then we made a giant pit of mud and uh, then started putting the mud on top of all the sticks and then put leaves on top of that and like straw and grass and stuff. Yeah, Ben was like that guy from the primitive, what's it called, that YouTube channel? Primitive technology. Primitive technology. Yeah, he would be that guy uh, uh, if he had a YouTube channel. And so he, um, he, we did this and then of course he was like, we're gonna do this and then we're gonna sleep in there. Camp. And so that night, after we finished the thing, we like kind of like cleaned out underneath it. We put our sleeping bags under there, and we camped in this A-frame. And I just thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. And every everything that Ben set out to do was the coolest thing we had ever <laughs> yeah. done. Well, in that A-frame, for many, many, many years, we probably did that in like fifth grade. Even when I would come back home from college. I would go, I would go out there and it'd be like man there's still like I mean I wouldn't sleep under there anymore but like there's like mud the roof is kind of still intact it was like it was it was an a frame man it held up so I mean if you've read the lost causes of Bleak Creek now you see the connection between a kid who can escape from a reform school and instead of going back home to his parents just lit, subsists on his own in the woods. Yeah, eating squirrels. It, it's and not stuff. something that we made up. Yeah, he could have easily done all that. I remember you two taking me out to this A-frame, which in my mind it was a lean-to, but I guess it leaned on the other two. It leaned to itself. Yeah, made an A. And then you said, "Would you want? Would you like to smoke a big George?" <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "I'm afraid." Yeah. So again, this this idea came from the fact that Ben was so, like again, uh, he's reading some book and he's like, hey, you wanna make some juniper tea? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, we gotta go get these juniper bushes and we gotta put them in water and steep it and make tea and it tasted like absolute crap. It was horrible, it made you wanna vomit. But he would have these things that he would make that were sort of the My Side of the Mountain. I, my Side of the Mountain was my favorite book growing up and I kinda saw Ben as that, I wanted to be that kid but I saw Ben as the kid. Yeah who could do these things. And that and so, kid lived in a hollowed out tree. Hollowed, hollowed out tree. And so we had done all this stuff and it hadn't necessarily tasted good or whatever, but then in that same woodsy area over there where we built the A-frame, there were these stalks of. It was like a weed. It, it was like a weed that but basically weed. was like ba bamboo. Like <laughs> yeah, it, it, very it, rigid. It was a rigid, um, sort of like sectioned off bamboo-like shaft. And it would dry. It dried up. It was very hard. Yeah, it would. It would grow and then it would die. And you could snap it off. Snap it off. And then I don't look. I. I mean, I, I'm going to give Ben the credit on this one, and he can take it. Um, one day he decided, what if we smoke this? <laughs> like a. But he, it wasn't like a. Let's smoke this. Like let's smoke weed. It was more like let's smoke this like a peace pipe. Yeah, like it was more like a, like a Native American type thing, yeah. finding something in the earth and smoking it. But it, it I mean, it was a hollow it, it, device that could be used for smoking if you put something in it that was worth smoking. 
but, but we did when you we offered just, it to me, it was empty, and you just lit the end of it. You lit the end and with then a you match. S- you suck the smoke through, and it was Not, acrid. Yeah, it <laughs> was. <laughs> it was so, smoking a big George man. We didn't, didn't do anything for you except make you cough a lot. Well, yeah, and when you asked me to do it, I do remember that neither one of you were also doing it. It, it was wasn't. Like, we've 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 done this. We, Let's <laughs> let Link try it. <laughs> right. We smoked big George. Uh, but I mean, I just felt this great sense of privilege to be hanging out with you guys when it was like, oh man, Dave, you've built this thing and I'm getting invited to be a part of this. It's like, I mean, on one hand, I was like, man, I'm I'm missing out on some fun, but like, I'm glad to be here for whatever's <laughs> going on. On the days that he wasn't carrying around an ax, he would always carry around a machete. Machete. And then we each went, got, went to Womble and Sons and bought our own machetes because you're going through, there's no paths unless you make them and we would always go explore the woods and there would be these huge vines that would grow up into the trees and the vines would, I mean, it would be as bigger around than a silver dollar. Some of them would be huge. So like, that's an interesting measurement. <laughs> bigger around as a silver dollar. Th- well, those were the, a silver dollar diameter is the perfect diameter I for a I need a little bit bigger than that. Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor-worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes, and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot, from cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive. You can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm-hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code EAR at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we would go into the woods with our machetes, and you're not just chopping down to make a path, but you see these vines growing up, and you chop the bottom, and then you walk, you grab it, and you walk away until it starts getting so tall, you know, it's like, cause it's it's anchored up into the top of the tree, and then you just 
you jump and you swing like Tarzan. And around the Cape Fear River and around Bowie's Creek, all behind Ben's house, the place was full of these vines. And if you found the exact right diameter and you found it anchored to the right tree with the right topography, you could swing just an epic distance. We found one when we were back in Bowie's Creek, but I don't think it made the edit. Uh, we didn't have a machete, we didn't have anything to cut it at the bottom and then the one that we found was, it was broken and then when they're, when it, that kills it. Oh so, well yeah, once you once and, you cut the vine, we, we actually had these theories about can you cut the vine and can we bring a bucket of water and set the vine in the bucket of water to make the vine live longer so we can swing on it more. Yeah. But I was always super, you know, worried because I was the, always the biggest and heaviest one so you know that if the vine's gonna break, it's gonna break on the big boy. And your dad had instilled this awareness or maybe even a fear of injury because you know, you were a burgeoning basketball star, at least in your mind. <laughs> oh, well, in the minds of all those in Harnett County as well. Oh, yeah, take the bait, um, take the bait. So I remember, because I was, I was already in high school this time. Yeah. And it was when they were beginning to sort of clear out the, the area that then eventually became the second 18 holes for Keith Hills, but they, we didn't know what they were doing, but there was like a kind of a weird dirt road that they had kind of cut through the woods. Yeah, this is one of our last vine swinging adventures. This is the last time I swung on a vine. Uh, and like you said, you find the right topography, so it was perfect. It was, there was, a, there was a hill, and the tree that had the vine on it was right next to this road that was going downhill. Dirt road. Dirt road. And we cut the vine and then you guys started swinging and it was like, it was magical because it was the kind of thing that you could go really high up on this hill and then swing and then at your, your pinnacle, at your peak, you guys were probably eight feet off the ground, 10 feet off the ground. If not 50. And I was, I was nervous because again, I, it was probably like sophomore or junior year. I'm like well into thinking I'm gonna play college basketball and I was always worried at that point about getting injured. And I was like, but I can't say no to this perfect vine. Hmm. So I swung and I was in the middle of just like this euphoric meeting the end of the pendulum and my like, I was up on the vine, like my knees were in the air. That was also a mistake because it, at its pinnacle, the vine just completely gave way. I mean, I kept it in my hands. <laughs> right, you hold right. the vine the whole time, but it's like no longer holding on to whatever it branch fault? it needed to. And I come down on that dirt road on my tailbone. Oh gosh, I, I remember seeing it happen and I remember the noise you made. Do you remember all the words? I, Cause, oh, oh! It was do you like, remember all the, I, I, I said, a, I unleashed a tirade <laughs> of profanity. It was, I, we, we cursed at times, but like I cursed right. so much in a span of about 30 seconds and I was like, I think I've broken my back, I think I've broken my tailbone. And um, it's my theory that I, my back problems, that's when they started. But you know it was all worth it. <laughs> I think I probably compressed some uh, some discs at that point. Ben had a canoe, he, we would take the canoe on the Cape Fear River and his parents, God bless them, would, we'd put the canoe on top of the car and we'd, we'd drive all the way to Lillington or sometimes all the way to Raven Rock and they just, we'd say, they'd say bon voyage and then they'd say we'll pick you up in either Boys Creek or way down in Irwin like six hours later. 
Well, that well, if you, you if you we might, did all of that, if we that was the day we went to Buckhorn Dam, though, was that that was the one that took hours and hours. So, but we would do all stretches of the river in this canoe, and three boys in a canoe. It's like, I it was amazing. L- later, we ended up buying kayaks. Um, ben didn't get one for reasons we'll get into, but like the love for the river, and you know, we've talked about it so much, and how swimming in the river, crossing the river. He did get a kayak. Uh, did he get a kayak? Yeah, because he could actually—he was the only one who could roll it over. That is right. Yeah, I don't—I don't know why I forgot that. Um, our love for the river was because Ben was the one who always wanted to be there and said, "Yeah, we can take a canoe out on there. This is something that we can do." He never thought of an idea and then said, "No, nah, we can't do that." He would think of an idea and we would just do it. And you know, the interesting thing is, I, is I think that there was a. Um, because I will say, you know, I I I give Ben the credit for being the one that kind of like sparked this sort of sense of adventure and sense of imagination. Um, but I also I I, I want to recognize just the fact that I think he could have done that. He could have done that with other kids who would have not res- responded to it. Who would have right. been like, but we were. We were on board. Oh yeah, it was very much, and that we kind of kept that same spirit. Like it's like I don't. It know resonated. To, I don't know how to do this. He didn't have thing, to talk us into anything. But it was very much like yes, we're here for this. Yes, let's go to Buckhorn Dam. There was, we never stopped to ask the question: Is this a good idea? Is this safe? Might we die? And I think right. um, if we had stopped and, and asked those questions, we probably would have a number of things that we wouldn't have done. I'm yeah. glad we didn't ask those questions. Uh, we're very fortunate that we got out with it, well, only minor injuries. Um, but yeah, we, we were completely on board for all this stuff. Many times when we would go out and chase cows, he would be there chasing cows right along with us. Yeah. Uh, there's, we've, we've told those stories before. Um, he had a trampoline. And he was very, he, he was so like skinny, but he was pretty athletic was and very, athletic. very daring. And he would do all of these flips and stuff on, these, on the trampoline and he made up this terminology where, I, I guess all kids do this on a trampoline, when you jump really high and then you, when you're in the air, you pivot and then you land on your back and you bounce off of your back and come back up. But he called this a blue raw. Blue raw, yeah. Because I think that's the sound he made when all of the air was forced out of his lungs as he impacted with the trampoline. Blue raw. So he 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 had a way of contextualizing and inventing ways to think about things that all kids were doing that elevated it. So it wasn't just let's come over, let's jump on the trampoline. It's like no, let's master the art of a blue raw. Well, and I don't know if you, I, I assume you were here for some of this. We spent a lot, once the trampoline happened, we spent a lot of time on the trampoline, like days just on the trampoline, figuring out things, coming up with moves. But one of the things yeah. we also did is uh, put a tarp over the trampoline and then get dish soap and put it all over the tarp <laughs> and then get a hose and yeah. wet it down and then the, the trampoline was at a slight angle. Which is very safe. And we would run, dive onto the trampoline, slide completely off of it, like slide completely 
over it and then off the other side into the woods. I remember this, it was one of those trampolines where the springs were exposed too, if I remember oh, correctly. Yeah. So I don't have, have, we didn't have a net. I don't know any. how you went across the springs, but you did. No, well, because they were covered with a tarp. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the whole thing was covered with a tarp and it didn't help that you kinda sorta hit the bar and the springs on the other side. But there was many, we, we, get, we went through this phase. Did you ever spend the night with us out there on the trampoline? Uh-uh. We would, uh, we went through, we stopped like using the A-frame because like kind of the grass kind of grew up and we would just put our sleeping bags on the trampoline. And it was kind of funny because like, when you put your sleeping bags on the trampoline, even though you're, you're small, I wasn't small, but you're mm -hmm. relatively light boys, you know, the nature of a trampoline is it dips Sags. in the middle and so by the, by the middle of the night, you're both kind of like right up against each other <laughs> and, you're, and you're sleeping bags. And the thing I, one of the things I remember about Ben is his sense of humor was so silly. Yeah. Like it was just this, we would sit out there and we would tell, we would tell each other jokes. We just make up jokes. Yeah. And they were always horrible jokes that like didn't have punchlines. It was very anti-comedy. But you would achieve some sort of delirium. Oh, we would start yeah. laughing. Yeah. Just so uncontrollably. Couldn't stop. Having those like laugh attacks where you just, you can't stop and you're like, what? I don't remember what you said. I don't remember, your joke probably wasn't good. Yeah. We're not, I don't remember it now. Um, he was funny though. And he, you know, he watched Letterman, he watched Carson, he would stay up late and do that. And that's just something that I just wasn't allowed to do. And I, I didn't, it was, it was scary to stay up late. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, and I do remember he went through this spell. I mean, people talk about the innuendo of Gumbethical Morning. It's like he was the king of that. Oh, yeah. I remember that, like, in, in grade school, the kids, I mean, the uh, teachers would say something and, all right, um, so and so, you need to come up to the front, and he would just start laughing, and he would like look at us, and like he, I remember he had this like he had a dirty mind, and like he would he would love laughing at things that were like forced innuendos, yeah. and we went through this um, season of really reveling in in the innuendo. <laughs> you remember that? I well. I, I still revel in the yeah, we still it do. wasn't it wasn't a stage and he was, continued throughout my entire life. He was such a smart guy. I mean, I, I think he did end up reading a lot and um he had that computer at in the back of the house there. And again, I come over there one day and the two of you had been working on a a from scratch computer coded role playing game that you sat me down and I was like the first user to just like test out your role playing game. It was only text based. Well, and no. you had spent hours on well, this. Well, we had spent we spent we would revisit it. It was called the Isle of Retbin. Okay. Which was not very creative. We just combined our two names. And I see that. It was um you know, it was just basic programming. And I again, I don't know how Ben learned how to do this, but he I remember sitting at his house one time and once I kind of understood basic programming, I remember he just went to sleep one night and I stayed up like almost all night just trudging away at like, it was a choose your own adventure game. So it's like yeah. you had to create these trees, decision trees. And it was like, all right, if 
Retben decides that he's going to kill this dragon, then this is gonna happen. And I think if you actually looked at the layering of this thing, it probably only had like four decision points, but that creates, I don't know how to do that math off the top of my head, but it creates a number of potential outcomes. Mm -hmm. And there's somewhere you would die and there was somewhere you would keep going. And do you remember what happens if you win? Because it was a color monitor. No. The screen would flash basically like 12 different colors over and over again. And I think that it played some tones <laughs> that was like some little celebration music. Just like every other video game of that age, I never got to the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like. I've never I, beaten one video game. It, and again, and then that that turned into like, once I understood that, thanks to Ben, is when I ended up writing that game on the calculator that was The Adventure of Merle Haggard. Yeah. I just wrote my senior year that you had to go into prison and get Merle. I would have never done any of that thing because the thing that Ben, like, we had, kind of what you I was getting at before. Merle out of prison. We had an appetite for this kind of thing and once you kind of gave us the opportunity, had we, the we avenue. took it. Yeah. But he had the knowledge. Yeah. I think that's the thing that Ben had. He, not, he didn't just have the appetite for it, he had the ability, he would find the way to do it and we were just like, ah, we got this guy that knows how to do this stuff so he's just gonna tell us what we're, the next thing that we're doing. He was uninhibited. I, sometimes we would go over there and we were all into rap music and he, he would find these interesting rap songs that weren't so mainstream. Like, listen to this Fooshnikin song and I developed this dance and he would then go into this. He would teach us dance. I would call it's it so crazy. I would call it a jig. It was like mostly in the in the hips, knees, and ankles. Well, it was the, this particular dance, and he would do these dance things that looked like, kind of looked like what uh, Will Ferrell did as Elf in the in the basement of the of the publisher. But um, and then the three of us would sit there and try to we figure would out learn how to the do dance. Them. Do you remember the time we went over there and he was like, "I figured out how to do the Roger Rabbit." Yeah. And yeah. the Roger Rabbit is when you put your, well at least, we may have been wrong, but it was when you basically put your feet behind each other and you're like doing this thing and you're like, you're stepping and it's not easy to do. Yeah. And like we <laughs> sit there and like go out in the, go in the driveway and like try yeah, to get this dance down. I mean when you're in middle school it's like, I mean, you have, if you're not uninhibited you're not gonna sit there and, and invent a dance and if you are, you're not necessarily gonna invite your boys over to like teach them. Well, this, I, was, this was something that the girls did like when they were, the cheerleader girls, they would get together and do their cheerleading But isn't dances. ironically TikTok changing that? Yeah, aren't, definitely. Aren't people like teaching oh, each other how to dance? he would have killed at TikTok, man. Oh, he would have been a TikToker Ben Green would have been, been a, he would have been amazing at it. Yeah, music was a big part of what we were doing and he's the one who then bought a drum machine. Now we had already done um, some talent show performances as we've, we've talked about before, you know. We would, Link and I well, would kind of. The story I'm gonna tell is the seventh grade talent show. Right, but what we would do before the drum machine is we would just sing along with a track. Yeah. And so we would just, we would play like a digital underground song or whatever and we would we would sing it. But then Ben gets this like Yamaha, I don't remember what brand it was, drum machine, which was basically this, you know, black 
drum machine with, I remember four yeah, pads. pads so you play and then it a like bunch drum. of things that you could play the drums, but then you can also kind of program some beats. And yeah. It had some built in beats as well. He could also beatbox. Yeah. Better than us, but we would all do it. That was right. something that we did in our spare time. I remember um, seventh grade, I got the job of being the guy who set up the microphones, and Ben also got the job. We worked together. Whenever there was a, an assembly at Bowie's Creek Elementary School, we would go and we would um, we'd, we'd get out of class 15 minutes early because we had to set up the microphones and test them and make sure they worked before whatever the assembly was. And so we spent a lot of time setting them up and then when the, when the talent show rolled around and there was like rehearsals for that, we would hang out in setting up the microphones for the rehearsal and as seventh graders, it was our first year as, to be able to participate in this talent show, which uh, we worshiped the, the seventh and eighth graders who would perform an amazing rap song the previous years. So we finally, we, yeah, we performed same song by Digital Underground and then um, Ben was a part of that. And I remember we were setting up the microphones and then we, we had either, we were about to or we had just done a rehearsal and we go backstage. Well, I, I go backstage and I, I notice that Ben is crying. I, I, I don't know that I'd ever seen Ben cry, you know? Um, and I was like, hey, hey man, uh, it, it's okay. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do great. We're gonna kill it. We're gonna kill it at the talent <laughs> show. Like, we're, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about this. The first graders are gonna love us. We know the words. Your beatboxing is amazing and this drum machine makes you look totally legit, man. And he said, that's, that's not it. And he said, I said, well, what, what's, what's, what's wrong? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. And he, he didn't tell me what was wrong. Mm -hmm. But then I remember um, you told me days after this that your mom had given you the news after talking to Ben's mom that he was sick. And we're like, wow. And we had seen. He's sick? We had noticed that Ben would, you know, miss a day of school. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't that unusual, but it, it was happening, it was more frequent than you would. Yeah, it got increasingly frequent. Expect. And, but it, it's not anything that he talked about, you know, no. he didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't wanna, he didn't wanna bring it up. But as it turns out, he, he eventually would tell us that uh, the doctors diagnosed him with chronic fatigue syndrome. Which at the time, I mean, it's still a very, um, they still have, last I checked, they don't have mm -hmm. a whole lot of understanding about this disease. It's sort of like one of those, um, you know, like Lyme disease used to be. It's like, I don't know exactly, we don't know exactly what it, this is and this might just be a name for a family of different conditions or whatever. But this was the beginning of people talking about it in the mid 90s. So, yeah. and it, it, or the, it, actually the early 90s. And it was, so we, so it was also we discussed. had no idea what it, was going on. It was discussed at times of kind of being a catch all um, for when you don't know exactly what's wrong with someone too, but you know that they're extremely fatigued. I mean, he described some mornings not being able to get out of bed. I do remember him telling us at one point in seventh grade, he said sometimes he could barely crawl to the bathroom in order to use the bathroom. 
And, we we and, couldn't and we, we couldn't believe it. We didn't well, we didn't know how to is, process is it. We never saw this for like we never saw it firsthand. He didn't he didn't look well. Um, he started to look more frail. But when we would call him and say, "Hey, do you want to do something?" Sometimes the answer would be no. But if the answer was yes, it would be we would be able to d- go on our adventures. Yeah, we we'd show up and he we'd hop on our bikes and we'd go play just like we always had. In in eighth grade, then that was seventh grade. In eighth grade, um, when when school started back, he he didn't come back. Right, and they he, said that he was going to be basically homeschooled. Yeah, from that point on. Um, and I I remember you know this was I've never been good at processing this type of information. Mm-hmm. I'm still not good at it. Like when somebody's like going through something, I'm like I don't know how to comfort you right now. Mm-hmm. It's like that part of my brain was damaged or something. You know, it's like I and I remember um being like this is this guy that we've spent all this time with. We we've, we've 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 done all this stuff with. And and all of a sudden it's like he's not, oh he's not at school, and he's and he's what, sick. How could how could someone as like has this so vibrant that has so much zest for life? How how could they be the ones drained of life? It it just it did not add up. It was well, and there was something I felt else like that we was, couldn't believe it. Well, and the interesting thing that was happening as well, and this is like a tale as old as time, is that we were kinda, we were kinda moving along with what it was like to be in middle school. And we talked, I was, I had a girlfriend. Yeah, I got a girlfriend. And we, it was like, that for a while, that was the only thing well, that Well that matters. was definitely your world. Yeah. And Whenever it, you got a girlfriend. Yeah, and so it was like, okay, I'm playing, I'm I'm playing basketball, I'm thinking about high school, I'm thinking about all the girls in high school, I got my girlfriend right now. We were doing those sort of middle school things and it wasn't that the, you know, going to the river and fishing and swinging on vines and camping and all this stuff wasn't something that we wanted to keep doing, but it had it wasn't everything to us anymore. It was something that we did when we could. Right. And so, because we couldn't, so and it was interesting because I you know I felt like that because a lot of people have asked the question like you you link been best friends you you've been best friends this whole time right it's like yeah we we have been best friends but it wasn't like it was me and you and nobody else yeah and in a lot of ways me and Ben were closer and for a, a few of those years like in like third fourth fifth grade mm-hmm. and then as he started kind of dealing with his stuff. And me and you kind of continued on living a quote unquote normal life that was kind of unencumbered by the kind of issues that he was facing. Then we basically like our friendship kind of just superseded every other friendship, and it's been that way ever since. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember feeling on the outskirts of the trio. You know, it was like I said, I would show up to things and kind of have to. I would gather what I had missed. You know, I. I I think it's fair to say that for for that period of time, we were best. We I don't know. I think I think we were best friends, but you were bester friends, the two of you. Yeah, and it wasn't you know? something we thought about. Yeah, and there were no lists being made. Right, and there was no discussions about that. But yeah, I I could feel that a little bit. But again, it was because 
I you know it, I knew it wasn't calculated. Ben was the the kindest, most welcoming person of all anyone we had met at that age. You know, there's it was impossible to hold anything against him. So I I, I didn't feel jealous. Like I said, I felt like, I felt privileged to be invited as this the scared kid who wasn't adventurous. I was kind of brought along for the ride and kind of ushered out of my shell, so to speak. Yeah. So. Um, but it, you know, it was difficult living on the other side of Bowie's Creek and knowing that there was probably stuff going on. There were A-frames being built and there were there were fish being caught and you know, I, w- I wasn't a part of it. But as we got older, I was increasingly a part of it. And then as Ben started, wasn't able to do as much, um, then I, I think we, bec- we got even closer and closer. Yeah. Um, well, so but so kind of fast forward a little bit. So mm-hmm. high school, high school got you know I, I have a lot of regrets about the amount of time that would pass between seeing Ben. Yeah, and uh, I would hear my mom like would talk to his mom and would find out that like oh Ben's really struggling with chronic fatigue and you know he he basically didn't get out of bed this week or whatever and then she would be like you should you need to go see him mm-hmm. and it was interesting because. Because again, I'm, I'm not making this. I'm not making an excuse. I, I I felt so inadequate to engage and be like, I know we're not going to go over there and like go do something fun. I'm going to sit there and we're going to talk about what he's what he's doing. Am I supposed and like, to sit beside his bedside? I don't. Ben, yeah. ben, ben gave the impression he didn't want us to see him that way. Yeah, and right. you know, I also regret not. Not saying you know what it's it's fine, you, you know I I want to hang out with you even if that just means sitting in your room, um, yeah. but w- we didn't really have a I don't know we didn't have a track to go on. It's like okay this is how you do it. This is how you empathize with somebody. I you know I do wish uh, you, t- to your parents' credit to your mom's credit she was like hey you need to you need to go see him and yeah. you did yeah. Um, and then I would hear about it. I've, again, I felt a little bit more on the outskirts of it. But it kind of felt. And it was intimidating. But it felt like it was It was like, oh, what are we gonna talk about now? Yeah. Because I'm doing all these really typical high school things, you know? It's like, what am I gonna talk to Ben about? I'm supposed to talk about all the stuff that you can't do? Right, and so the the times between visiting each other would just, Get longer and longer, and yeah, then but there would still be times throughout high school that we would get together. I think, am I am I right about this? I I do. I remember after sometimes yeah. Ben became famous for his running, which was extremely odd given everything we've told you. He would he always wore these duck shoes. Now a duck boot, you know, it is a lace up boot that the whole bottom is that like rubber so it's waterproof. Those were his signature shoes. The only type of shoes he wore were duck shoes and he wore low top duck shoes where it had like three three eyelets on either side or two and you'd lace it up. He would not wear socks and he would wear those duck boots but that were supposed to keep water out but like he would walk through stuff and the water would be all going all in it. <laughs> he wouldn't care but he would run for miles. He would jog around Keith He would Hills. jog around Keith Hills in these shoes, <laughs> and it, he was such an odd bird, right? <laughs> and everybody 
everybody knew, oh, there goes Ben. He's got chronic fatigue syndrome, yet he's running around, you know, it's. And well, I, I mean, and I don't know, again, I, I don't know, we never talked a lot about that period of in, in, in his life, uh, but my understanding is that he would have good days and bad days, yeah. and so it was like, okay, I've got energy today. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going out. I'm gonna yeah. run. Yeah, and and there, and we would get together. It was just increasingly infrequent uh, as we got into high school. And, and okay, and one of the other things that was happening and we talked a little bit about this in the last years, is like we were basically becoming uh, very, very serious about our faith. We st had started the band, and so this, is, this was beginning to kind of consume us and be, it was, it was the way we talked. Consume our time, about, let's not say it, it, ate, it didn't eat no, us. No, 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 I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> Consumed our time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, but I'm saying that our lives began our to passions. be much more oriented towards uh, God. Especially with the band. Yeah. We, we spent as much time as we could as a band. You started neglecting your basketball. I mean, we were talking more about being filmmakers too, so it was like those two passions were, and then whoever, whatever girlfriend you had pretty much uh, filled you to capacity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna take the bait on that one. But the, uh, the, the interesting thing that was happening with Ben is that he had always been this, again, he's the one that had the knowledge about things, right? And as he, he had all this time on his hands where he was basically not able to kind of get up and do things physically, the dude was reading and then by this point he was on the internet all the time and he would occasionally just kind of mention something that would get that I would be like, wow, Ben is in a different place spiritually. He he he's, he, he he's didn't got, go to church with us. He's got lots of thoughts about this stuff, thoughts that were to me sort of like, like where is he getting this information? Because this isn't what this isn't what we're talking about in youth group. This isn't this isn't orthodox. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so we always had this kind of sense that like, um, you know, Ben is kind of just he's kind of his own guy and. You know, I definitely don't think he would call himself a Christian, uh, and that was becoming more and more important to us. So then there was another sort of a new roadblock, source of that tension created in our this friendship. Yeah, uh, this. Well, what, I mean, am I going to talk to him about this stuff? Because we were developing this conviction that we needed to share the gospel with our friends. I mean, this is why we started the band. Uh, and we did invitations at our concerts. Like we would invite our we would invite our friends out to watch us play, and then at the end we would we talked about this in the lost years, but we would go into this thing where it's like, all right, everybody bow your heads, and we're gonna pray, give you the opportunity to accept Christ. Uh, that's what we were doing with our friends, and yeah. uh, so Ben's sort of ideas that were that seemed different and challenging began to be, I would say, even intimidating to me. Hmm. Um, fast forward a little bit more, we go to college, we go head first into Campus Crusade. We've told that story, so if you yeah. if you superimpose that on, you know, I, well I got an email address, uh, I would email Ben occasionally. Yeah, at that point it, it, it kind of resorted to email. We were off at school, he was still back at home. Um, I think he took, classes 
like college classes from home if I remember correctly. Yeah. But so, you know, it, there would be a couple of emails back and forth every month or two. And I, I remember, and it wouldn't be the three of us, he would, I would talk to him, you would talk to him separately, right? We didn't understand CC. Right, we didn't. We didn't understand threads. It wasn't or, a. It was. <laughs> I remember him saying one time, he's like, I, I like getting emails from you because you write like you talk. Mm-hmm. That made me feel really good. I don't know what it was, but uh, I, for some reason I remember that specifically. But it wasn't, it was, it, the emails were f- far enough in between that every time we would restart an email exchange, it would kind of be catch up. So it wasn't like we were having an active relationship. It was more like let's let's make sure we know what's going on in each other's lives a little bit. But again, the more you share about your life, the more you feel like you're sharing things that he might not be experiencing or isn't able to experience. Well, and not just and that. It's like is that yeah, we, it's hard. Our lives were more and more about ministry and what and growing in our relationships with Christ. It was like that was what it was about. And I remember we would have these email exchanges and I would, you know, I'd say something about what I might be doing and then he kind of gave, he would give these, he had these perspectives and these like interesting thoughts about things but it, I just, I couldn't engage mm-hmm. with, with with him and I, and I again, there was just this, to, the, the, the time between correspondence continued to increase. Then I went to, uh, if, it's in terms of the way that I can I interacted with Ben while I was in college. In 98, I went on Summer Project with Campus Crusade in New York City as I talked about. And of course, that time when you're when you're that age and you've sort of put yourself in this situation where you've been doing nothing but ministry for two months and it's been all about sharing the gospel with people and you've learned how to do that very well and mm-hmm. with on Campus Crusade, what that, in Campus Crusade that kinda means uh, taking people through a presentation of the gospel, which we called the four spiritual laws, and I think now they call it the Would You Like to Know God Personally booklet, and it's probably something different now. But essentially, it's a short, easy to digest booklet that sort of explains the truth of the gospel in a digestible way that people can then make a decision on the spot. You remember what they are? What God has a wonderful plan for your life. Two, all have sinned. We are we are sinful and therefore separated from God. Three, Christ died and paid the penalty for our sins so that we could reestablish a relationship with God. If point four, you make a decision to place your faith in what Christ did on your behalf. So you go, maybe I just saved some people. Um, so I, but it was that it was that concise. Yeah, right. And so it was it made it very shareable, which was again. The, the evangelistic part of. Yeah, and so one of the things I was thinking when I got back from New York is I was like, Ben was really on my heart, right? I was like, this guy, I love this guy, and he's not a Christian, and I've got to share the gospel with him. I got to, it, it, is, it, is, my, it is my, I am mandated to share the gospel with this guy. And I was like, I agree. He was, you know, you're, we're both real good friends with him, but, you know, you were even closer of a friend than I was, so this is on you. And because we both don't need to do it now. Okay, I'm going to tell you. It wh- seems like it would be really tough. I'm going to tell you what I did, and I'm going to kind of give you my perspective on it um, later. 
So went over there and had one of our sort of like awkward conversations and I kind of caught up with him and what he had been doing, kind of told him about my summer and just said, hey, there's something that I'd like to share with you that I think is really important. And then I basically break out the booklet and walk him through it. And then I think he just said something at the end, like the whole point is that you're supposed to bring people to a point of decision. You don't wanna, you wanna close the sale, essentially. Mm. You know, you, you want people to say yes or no, and if they say yes, you wanna be like, okay, well, would you like to pray to receive Christ right now? Ben was, ben was a little too smart to get to that point to say, to, he wasn't gonna he 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 wasn't gonna let me get to that point, right? Meaning he was he was smart enough to know what you were what you were trying he to saw do. What and was be, happening. because he knew that he didn't want to make the decision, he was smart enough to like to circumvent the the awkward ending to tactfully and kindly say, "I'll think about it." Basically, now I find it very ironic that um you got this guy who is was so so more knowledgeable about so many things than I was. Uh, who we we'd had this this rich experience and he had taught me so many things and I had done all the, this these adventurous things with him because he he had gone and he had done the research and he 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 had read all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I go away and I come back with a booklet. Pamphlet really. I come back with a one size fits all pamphlet. And instead of having a real conversation, I'm like, you wanna go through this booklet together? Yeah. To me, it just feel, it, it, I'm, I cringe thinking about it now. Not because I was ashamed of the gospel at the time, I wasn't, it was, I thought that it was the, everybody needed to hear it. But the impersonal, unloving nature, I, I would say, in the way that I did it that didn't take into account his circumstance and I, I, just I didn't think have it, a, converse, a real I, conversation I, with somebody. I think it was very loving and very cringy. I don't think it was unloving. I think it was the best that you could do based on the convictions that you held. Okay. And I don't think, and I think that Ben knew that, so, and he knew that he, did not want to make that decision. Um, so he graciously let you off the hook, you know? Um, but I just because felt, I felt, I just felt d- like a hypocrite. You, I felt like a hypocrite, because it was like, hey man, I went off, I, I lived a life, I did all this this cool stuff, I, I kinda saw you when my mom told told me to come see you and then I go off and I come back and I'm like, hey, and I've got this, I've got the good news. I've gone off, I figured this, this stuff out. I know everything that there is to know about the secret to, to, the, to the good life basically. Mm-hmm. And it's all in this book, here it is, let's go through it together. And it just, I, to me, I'm offended on behalf of Ben when I think about it. But he was gracious and he took it like yeah. a friend in a loving way. Yeah, and at least you, at the time, I feel like at least you could could share that much, you know? The ball was in his court, as if maybe he didn't know those things before you shared them, I think is how I felt about it. You know, all you can do is share, and then you leave the results to God, mm-hmm. but you feel, 
you feel this, you know, this tremendous pressure to to share until you have, and then there's at least relief that like, hey, I've I've done my part, you know. Um, but then in retrospect, you look at all the context and you start to have the feelings that you just shared, and I I totally get that. I mean, I didn't have that conversation at that point. We both had, you know, other things that we'll talk about very soon. But f- from there, it was. Yeah, I mean, when we graduated, we got married. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think Ben was able to come to my wedding. Did Ben come to your wedding? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. But I think that there was still the occasional, you know, like maybe once a year we we would see him, and it would be like, I feel so bad that it's been so long since I've seen you. You know, you're still, you have this condition and you're at home and I've moved on with my life. Now I'm married, now I'm having kids. Now I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my engineering job and I'm joining the staff of Campus Crusade. Now I'm leaving Campus Crusade. I'm, I think there'll be these few and far between touch points. It's like, this is how my life continues to move forward. And there were the occasional emails and based on the conversation that we had had, we had sort of established sort of a dialogue about philosophical, spiritual things and so occasionally he would send something hmm. that was, you know, he was he, he was doing all kinds of research about all kinds of things and he, was, he wasn't closed off by any means. He, he would reach out to let me know that he had read something hmm. or he had this thought about Jesus or whatever. Yeah, but I, I definitely had this, this guilt that I think is well-founded that like someone who was so important to me that I just didn't make time for. And if I did make time, it was like, it was there was still this weight of like this one issue loomed large in my mind and and was kinda like the maybe the real reason I, I, I ultimately reco- would reconnect over time was because this looming issue of like, uh, Eternal destiny. Yeah, he's, I'll call not, it. he's not saved. And then, you know, we we eventually leave Steph and we start we start our careers. I mean, we started working in, um, in the basement in Lillington, and and making our videos from there as we as we got going. Uh, some of the exchanges that we'd have with him, again by that point when we were in Lillington, we were ten minutes away from his house. Yeah. And then it was like, yeah, we should see Ben. It's like, we should go by and see him, but we gotta work. We gotta work and then I gotta go, I gotta drive the opposite direction 15 minutes in order to like help with the baby and like, you know, continue to do my life because there's so much going on in my life. Um, But I know that he he knew about the work we were doing. He got a big kick out of the songs that we'd write and like the, the music videos that we would make and so like there'd be some email exchanges there. Do you remember when we got the news? Like how we heard? I don't. I don't remember specifically either, but we, I, I yes, I, I don't remember how we heard, but we heard from someone and it was kind of going around the county that like Ben was sick. It's like, well, yeah, Ben's kind of always been sick. No, Ben is really sick. Ben's got cancer. Oh man, Ben has cancer? 
Is it connected? Well, I, people didn't know it, you know, and then. Do you, did we go see him? I have to think we went and saw him when we, when we got that news that he had cancer at his house. I definitely think as he started to get worse, it was, it was testicular cancer. And it moved that, very quickly. That moved very quickly. By the time that they had caught it, it had, it had spread and it was really bad. Um, and then we, we, once we found out, we saw him a few times at his house. And every time he was looking worse and worse. Um, and then we got the, the word, I, I mean, do you remember visiting him at his house? I, I honestly, um, I, n- not until after we had visited him, visited him at hospice. They put him in hospice, um, which, which was, is basically an end of life care. You're, you're dying, so we're gonna make you as comfortable as possible and we're gonna give you round the clock care in a facility which now was in Lillington. Oh, and it was, it was, it was on our way from a mile from our. We would carpool from Fuquay office, and we'd go past this facility, hang a right, and then go to our our studio. So, you know, the plan was well, at least once a week we'll go by and see him. Hmm. I think is what we, you know, it's like we were scrambling, we were trying to make make our make our lives work. But on our way into work, we can go by there and see him for an hour. Um, so it's, I mean, it's if you've never seen anybody in hospice, it's kind of it's like a hospital room. There's a hospital bed in there, and um, um, I don't know how long he was there. I, I, my recollection is that it was a few months. I, I don't think so. Maybe it was six weeks. You I, think it might have been I, four weeks? I, in, in my recollection, he was there for a few weeks, and then um, they were like, "Well, he's gonna he's gonna pass away," and so we we want that to happen at his house, and so they basically put the hospital bed and everything in the house downstairs. Um, but so to kind of get get, you know, there was this there was a lot of guilt. Uh, associated with, you know, having <sighs> having not seen him And but the the main thing that we were thinking about was this guy's gonna die. Yeah. And we got and we, we gotta save him. Yeah, we saw him. I mean we would visit him we visited him a few times and it was it was he was doing bad, but it was he was uh, he always had a smile for us. He had, his same, he had his same sense of humor that he always had. He had his and same cra- sense of humor. He would crack a joke, something about his balls because that was where the cancer started. Yeah, I remember him saying, um, you know, he, he said, do you wanna see it? <laughs> and then he, you know, he just had a hospital gown on and we're, we like looked at each other. It was just the three of us in that room and we were like, uh, 
I guess. <laughs> and he, you know, he had this this smile on his face, like this is this is funny. And then he like he showed us his testicle that was like as big as an orange. Yeah. I mean, like, and then he made a joke about it, and we laughed because that's who he was. Yeah. And he he had the ability to do that. Um, and then he said, "If you if you think something's wrong, don't ignore it because that's what I did." Yeah. Uh, and I I think. I think that may have been in our last visit. Well, what I remember is that we would go see him and then every time we saw him, we would turn the conversation towards spiritual things. So regardless of how it started, we like, Ben, you know, I know we haven't talked about it th- that much. I know I talked about talked to you about this when we were in when I was in college, but you know, have you thought about your eternal destiny? Have you thought about where you're gonna go? And or or we might just say it, I, I don't remember exactly how we said it, but I think some ways it was more like, well, you know that God loves you and you know, we would say things that were more like encouraging platitudes. Well, I, 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 specific, I mean, the way I remember it, I would ask him questions, I was like, well, what do you think about God now? Yeah, like, yeah where, I remember where, that. Where, where are you at with the way that you think about Jesus and you know, this dude thought a lot about the spiritual things and he had a spirituality. He wasn't an atheist. Um, he was definitely, I, I, w- I would say he was agnostic because he had this. He said I didn't know, I and he just know. He was like, I just, I, I, just don't, I don't know. know. And I remember one time basically pressing. I was like, this is, I know this is offensive and this is tough and the dude is dying, but this is, his soul is worth it. Yeah, and and I think, in this particular time, we had the sense that it was close to the end for him. Um, we had been talking about in our previous visits his preparations. Um, he had he said, um, "I want you guys, I want you guys to sing at my funeral." Yeah, <laughs> and we were like, "Oh gosh, I, okay." And he said, I want you to sing one of your funny songs, like the cornhole song. <laughs> like that, again, that was his, that was his way. He was yeah. like, I think it would, I was like, well that's gonna be weird, Ben. He's like, <laughs> He's I exa- think exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what he wanted. I want you to sing the cornhole song at my funeral. <laughs> and um, he said, you know, we said, Ben, we wanna, well, I don't know if he said it or if we said it, but he wanted to go to the river one more time. And so I remember we mentioned that to his parents. They're like, you know, he wants to go to the river. And they were like, I don't, we don't, we don't know if he's able, like if we take a wheelchair and like just take him to the edge of the river where you guys used to swim. It's like, if, if you think that we could do that, we would want to do that. Mm. Um, the next time we visited was, after that conversation and we got the sense that it was the last time and that's when he, he showed us his balls and made us laugh and um, be- I remember before he went in, his older sister who we had known our whole lives said to us, um, guys just just try not to talk about religious 
religion. Like that's how she put it. Well, she the, was like, D- "I don't want you to." I think we, she we said, don't. We don't want to. Ups- we don't want to upset him at this point in his process. Well, I think what was passing. what was happening is, you know, he loved seeing us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were so f- singularly focused on bringing him, to helping faith him, helping him, that we felt. Um, the conversation would get. I, I I recall one time where where I really I just really pressed in and I and I and I said Ben, you know what do you have to lose if just just pray a prayer with us to make this. Decision. This was the last meeting. Yeah, and but this was the last meeting before his sister told us to not talk about it anymore because okay. we did we honored that. Um, and what happened was is he said I don't know. I, I don't know, I can't be sure, and he started crying. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is at the time, I felt bad, but I was like, well, crying a little bit now is not anything compared to what'll happen to him if he doesn't make this decision. I mean, that's the logic that was happening in my brain. Yeah. And we had talked about it ahead of time, that we had to do, we just felt like we had to be as clear as possible and do everything we could to help him. So this, I was not blindsided by you pressing him. I, we had we had agreed upon it. Yeah, and I, uh, I mean, we we would leave those meetings, and I would just bawl, mm. like on the on the way back home. You know, feeling feeling responsible for that. Yeah, and worrying about him, but. His sister told us the next time we went, and she said, "You know." But please. you said you pr- you pressed him, and that's, I mean, to 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 pray with us, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what you meant by that. Was well, I don't remember exactly how we said it, but it was, you know, it. You don't have to know. It's just let's just pray, and you can. We can pray something. You can repeat after us, and. You can, you can accept Jesus. I mean, and he said, "Okay." And he, you know, it was basically we we prayed, you know, and it was it's one of those things that like you can look at it at the time afterward and say. Okay, I feel I feel relieved. I may, maybe that did it. I feel. I mean, the words were right. You we can't control, like what's going on in his heart, but you know he did say the words. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of reduced to that, like a. Yeah, we we from an outsider's perspective, you might think of it as like a magical incantation. That's not how we thought of it, but it was. If he was sincere in his heart, then then that then he was saved, and yeah. only God knows. So, yeah, and I don't know if he, you know, if but he it did get, it but for it, us but, or if he did it for him. And but the thing is, is that or both it, probably. It, you know, it's just it's so hard to process because it gave us this sense of closure that okay, all right, we did everything we could, uh, and I do think that we were acting out of love because of the way that we 
thought about the world at the time. He knew that, he knew that. And you know, so I don't blame us for doing something that was, um, you know, I wish we could have spent, I wish we could have spent a different kind of time. Yeah. As opposed to like trying to convince him of something uh, that I don't even believe anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, So there was, if there was one more meeting at the, then that was it. Uh, I don't recall seeing him when they moved him back to his house. I again, I this may be the the, the nature of memory. I I have a, a a recollection of talking to him once in his home. Um, but I may that I may that may be something that I've just created because I've been in his home so many times and they told me where the bed was and. But I seem to remember, no, I think I did talk to him because he was getting a little delirious at the end. I wasn't there for this. And um, he had actually, you know, he, so he had like a catheter and the, he, he, like he got up in the middle of the night and like walked and didn't realize it was in and stuff and they were just like, it's, you know, he was telling me that and he was kind of talking about it as a funny story. Like, let me tell you what happened to me last night. But then it it quickly got to a place where, you know, his mom said that, you know, you don't you don't want to see him like this. He's dying. Uh, when we got the call, it was. I mean, I, we knew the call was coming, so we weren't blindsided by it. And we and I think at the time we didn't feel. We felt like we had, we had done our piece. You know, I th- I think that's how we felt about it then, not how we feel about it right now. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, they they asked us to um, to sh- they said there'll be an opportunity to share at the graveside service, and either they asked us to sing a song or we volunteered and said that he he, si- asked, us. he asked us to. But but we we didn't sing the cornhole song. We knew we could spoiler not alert sing the cornhole song. But we thought that the perfect compromise was to, and of course this is. This has a whole different meaning now, but you know it didn't at the time. Uh, to sing the Michael Jackson song "Ben," which is about a pet rat, a killer rat, <laughs> who was Michael Jackson's um, pet. Um, yeah, and the I pulled up the lyrics. Um, <laughs> yeah, you learned it on the guitar. We sang it in harmony at the graveside service. Uh, uh, ben, most people would turn you away. I don't listen to a word they say. They don't see you as I do. I wish they would try to. I'm sure they'd think again if they had a friend like Ben. So we made a joke about it being a song about Michael Jackson and a rat. And, Which and is we said very appropriate for Ben. That he would love that and everybody agreed who was there. And it was it was a difficult song to sing. <laughs> but Well, uh, and, I, and do you remember what we said? Because I, I remember in addition to the song. I remember, I think I know what you're gonna say, yeah. Um, again, you know, the interesting thing is that at the time, it wasn't that I wasn't, you know, as I said in the stories, it wasn't that I hadn't doubted things pretty significantly at that point, but it hadn't gotten to 
the core of my faith yet. Um, so, and, and, and so I, this didn't create a crisis. It created a moment where we had to believe that, that Ben he, that he was in heaven. He was in heaven, and that's what I told everybody at that funeral. I was like, you know, he did have faith. I, I didn't that's go. What we said. I didn't we go said into he did the have faith. I didn't go into the details of what the story that happened because I thought that might be inappropriate. But yeah, we basically said that you know, it, again, this is one of the things that um, is so interesting. I've been to lots of funerals, and I haven't. I've everyone I've been to for the most part has been a a Christian funeral. You know, there's a certain it, it, it's 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 ironic because there's a hope that comes with uh, faith, the idea that people go on and that you're going to see people again and uh, you're going to see people in heaven, uh, which may be true. And but then the flip side of that is that well, if you subscribe to a particular, you know, understanding of Christianity. Well, some people are not gonna be in heaven, they're gonna be in hell. And those funerals are awkward. When someone is not saved and everybody knows it, it's like, well, he lived a good life, let's tell some, let's tell some stories about him and let's just hope that God has mercy on his soul, essentially, um, which I just always find so, you know, I get it, I, I understand if that's the way you see the world, then, that's the kind of the way that you're gonna respond. But for, for us, for Ben, because we had gotten him to the point to pray that prayer, we could have this perspective that was like, Ben left this world with faith and that's why, that's why we're gonna see him again. And we were able to say that. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting because now looking back on it and the way that I see the world now and, and, and I'm like, I don't, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll see Ben again one day. I don't know. I don't think that I can know, and I no longer really care that I can know. Um, but I, I see what we did was very much about us. I'm not saying we didn't love Ben. I'm not saying we didn't actually care about him, and I'm not saying that we weren't motivated by a concern for his soul. But I also think that a part a not insignificant part of that process was about us feeling good and being okay with ourselves and being able to say that we did our job, we did our duty, and now we can get up at the funeral and say that he's got faith. And uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't blame us, but it I don't was, think it was the majority selfish. I think there were, I think there were elements to that. I think that we just we needed to have that hope because we loved him so much. Yeah. And we wanted to share it because we wanted to say something at the funeral because if there was anybody, we wanted to to help anyone else that felt the same way that we felt. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how it made his family feel. And it probably didn't make him, make him feel better. And I also. I think they understood. I, right. Yeah, they. I think they understood that our hearts were in the right place, but they were already hurting so much. It was like, I, I do. I think they gave us the benefit of the doubt because, I mean, listen, yeah, I, they, 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 they lived in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina for uh, yeah. a long time, and they knew that we were sincere believers who cared about this guy and saw the world in that way and just wanted to see him 
come to faith, I think it probably was a little bit annoying because I don't know I don't know where they where they are or where they were at the time, but I have it. They always seem to be really thoughtful uh, uh, people who didn't just acquiesce to the status quo, which the status quo in Bowie's Creek was. You're going to be a Bible believing Christian, and and so I I I, I do I you know I don't know I I feel like there's a part of me that wants to apologize, you know? I think that, you know, in these- On behalf in, of my former self. In these, my thought on that is, in, in these books, you know, as we shared at the top, we've really, we've really sought to honor Ben because of how important he is to us. Um, but I do think that there's also a part of it that's like, it's the best we can do to make amends for the for the regrets that we have and again it's not just the spiritual stuff but it's just you know not being capable of um uh being the friend that that he deserved yeah uh in over many years since his diagnosis his original diagnosis and you know so i i think that i think it's been our best effort to to honor him and to, um, but yeah, I I I am sorry for, um, and I know he forgave us. You know, I we did discuss it at his bedside. We told him we were sorry for not being there for for him. not being there for him, and we, he forgave us. Yeah, um, uh, that's the kind of person that he is. Uh, and you know, so I think that everything that we do, uh, he he touches, and I think that's the that's the best we can do to to honor him is is what we are what we have done. Yeah, I think the only thing I'll add to that is that you know. We don't know. We don't know what's next after this life. But there's one thing I do know with certainty is that Ben lives on. Um, and his legacy uh, is is what we try to honor and what we try to embody. Um. And with that, I'll I'll give a recommendation, which is along these same lines. Okay. Um, We've all got, we've all got bends in our our lives. And it it doesn't have to be somebody who, you know, is sick or is dying, it might be. Uh, but just somebody who has been a friend and impacted you and maybe some circumstances of life have, have led you away from them and you haven't connected with them in a while. Make an effort to connect with them. 
Okay, well, uh, thanks for listening. And um, um, if you want to contribute to this conversation, you know what to do. Hashtag Ear Biscuits. Um, uh, and we'll we'll talk at you next week. And probably not cry next week. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>